0: Good morning everybody and welcome to episode 247 of the Ask the Coach show where Ping Skills helps you improve your table tennis. For Throwback Thursday, we'll be looking at an oldie but a goodie, a masterclass we call Ready, Set, Move. We'll talk more about the Oceania Olympic qualification tournament that is on at the moment and in the questions we'll talk about the follow-up forehand, what the control rating of a bat indicates How to engage our legs and how to improve your forehand. I'm Jeff Plum, and as always, Super Coach Alois Rosario is here with me to answer your questions. Welcome,
1: Alois. Good morning, Jeffrey, and uh, what a good day. Another good day. Absolutely,
0: yes. um, It's Thursday, so Throwback Thursday. Tomorrow is a public holiday in Australia, Alois, but we're off to the Oceanic Qualifying Tournament. What is happening at the moment in the Oceanic Qualifying Tournament?
1: Yeah, so um, it's, a, it's a pretty complex sort of uh, format. So they're playing a, an event first to um, establish initial ranking places. Um, and in that tournament now, so in the women's singles, we've got... Uh, Jen Feng Lei, sitting at the top. Um, then uh, Vivian Diderko, uh, also from Australia, just squeezed through in her quarterfinal. She was down 3-0 against uh, Ruffy Rao from New Zealand. Was, yeah, and then got up 4-3. Melissa Tapper, um, trying to qualify for both the Paralympics and Olympics, beat Meow Meow, one of the legends of Australian table tennis. So that effectively puts Meow out of the race. Um, wow, I mean, that's
0: big news because Meow's been in every Olympics since 2000,
1: Alloys. That's right, she has indeed. So uh, she was trying for her fifth Olympics, but uh, has now missed out. Then Melissa Tapper winning four two there to go into the semi final, and the other semi finalist Sally Zhang beating uh, Natalie Patterson from New Zealand four nil. So those four will uh, face off in the semi finals. Um, in the in the Women's and in the men's, um, the uh, semi finalists are David Powell, Heming Hugh, both from Australia. They'll face off against each other this morning. And then Chris Yan, also from Australia, playing Teng Teng Liu from New Zealand. Um, okay.
0: So, so this tournament here, that must be the Oceania Championships. Um, yes. And, and then also establish a ranking for the next uh, part tomorrow. That's um, right. Which is the, where all the Olympic spots are decided.
1: That's right. So yeah, it's a little bit of a complex uh, system, but um, I think it'll all work pretty well. So basically the top two seeds um, will play off um, for the first, um, first spot. Yeah, so it's really that.
0: important to finish in the top two because then you get more chances to qualify for the Olympics.
1: That's right, yeah. So you play off of the first spot. If you lose that one, then you play someone coming up and, yeah, so on. So, um, yeah, and Jeff and I I will be commentating there tomorrow. So uh, watch out for that.
0: Yeah, Um, looking forward to this, Alloy. Such an exciting day. I mean, people getting their sports to go to the Olympics. It's going to be a lot of fun, uh, a lot of emotion. Uh, Really looking forward to it.
1: Yeah, for me, one of the interesting parts will be so that third single spot um, as well. So um, because only um, two players from a country can qualify, you know, the Aust- Australians tending to dominate there. But that third spot, that third single spot, is going to go to one of the island countries or New Zealand, perhaps. But um, yeah, that so that is um, for me, you know, a really good opportunity for some of these um, t- some of these guys from some of the smaller countries to clinch that Olympic spot.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. All right, well, um,
1: yeah, let's, And in, let's see what happens. Yeah, and in other news, so we talked a little bit about the Asian qualification and the system there, but the other news is the European qualification um, is, has been moved uh, because it was scheduled to be in Istanbul. Um, so um, lots of plans being made at the moment to, uh, to try to find another venue um, just with the world situation, so um, and and that will throw players out a bit. You know, that's uh, they've been sort of, they've been preparing for this for a long time. Um, you know, they've been focusing on you know getting to Istanbul and uh, making plans around that. So um, yeah, so that will also be an interesting situation for some of these uh, for the players.
0: Mm, certainly, certainly. All right. Well, let's go on to the segment Throwback Thursday, Alois, and we're talking about a masterclass here called Ready, Set, Move. What does this mean?
1: Yeah, so here we're talking about um, just learning that basic movement. So um, you know, learning basic movement is really important to start off with. And how do we do that? So one, one way that we uh, get players to do it is by just breaking that skill down to a really slow and basic level. And um, to start off with, a really good idea if you're learning that basic footwork is to get someone to bounce the ball to you. So rather than hitting the ball backwards and forwards, grab a few uh, balls or, or whatever and get them to bounce the ball. So one into your forehand corner, the next one into your backhand corner. So what you need to do is to get that ready, set, move um, pattern into your head. So what we're doing, you're, you're getting ready, you're, you're playing your stroke. And then you're moving, so you're jumping into position. So you jump, and then you stop, and then you hit the next ball. So that that jumping, the preparation, the getting set, and then playing your stroke is really, really important there um, to just establish that pattern of how you're moving table tennis. I see a lot of players when they're playing. Um, the first thing that happens is that their bat goes first and they, they lunge over to try and get the ball rather than making sure that they do make the move first. They make the move, get into position, and you almost, and you stop and then play your stroke. So then you jump, move into position, stop and play your stroke. So it's a really um, important pattern to establish in your head, especially if you're learning um, how to move in table tennis. So, so get on to that. Um, and and don't be afraid to to break the skill down to being really slow. Slow is fantastic to start with, you know, um, because you you really get the pattern in your head and your and your body really starts to understand what you're doing with the with the movement.
0: Yeah, I like that, Alois, because if you can't do the movement slowly, you're not going to be able to do it fast. And I, I think you're hundred percent right. You start slowly and then you can gradually start increasing the speed while still maintaining all the aspects of it. And eventually yeah, your brain will kind of be able to chunk that whole thing together and you'll just be able to go, oh, I just need to move and you'll just do it. But to start with, you've got to break it down. You've got to do it slowly so you can learn.
1: Yeah, it's almost like, you know, uh, the Tai Chi equivalent. So, you know, Tai Chi, slow movements, get those right and then um, you can move into... Uh, the faster movements
0: yeah and um you know everyone knows i like my speed cubing when anyone asks on the table on the speed cubing forums how do i get faster the answer is always go slower and look ahead (laughs) so it's interesting yeah break it Mm -hmm. down start slowly then uh then build up your skill base and then you will be able to go faster All right. Good one. So we'll put a link to that masterclass in the show notes. All right. It is time for this day in history. What happened Uh, on the 24th
1: of March, Alloys? The 24th of March. um, It is the birthday of someone that we talked about very recently, Harry Houdini. So Harry Houdini was born in 1874 and we found, and and he's an escapologist, a magician, an escape artist. But we did find out recently that he made the first flight in Australia. So, um, which was a bit of a surprise to both of us.
0: There you go. Well, happy birthday, Harry Houdini. Nice one. All right. Now, alloys yesterday's pink sealer's question of the day wasn't the most controversial topic in the world it was what is your favorite venue to play did, did anyone have yeah, any um, favorite
1: venues i think i bored people with that one um just um <laughs> eugene said at my school and that was it okay thanks, thanks eugene thanks for your input thanks but, for your
0: um, support um did you ever have a favorite venue yourself to play
1: allies you know, uh, and I've talked about this before, but, you know, the old Albert Park Table Tennis Stadium, you know, it felt pretty homely there. Playing on Table 21 was, you know, it was like the pinnacle because it was the first court and everyone used to want to play on Table 21. So I reckon Table 21, at the old Albert Park Table Tennis Stadium was my favourite. What about you, there, Jeff?
0: There you go, yeah. I mean, that was a pretty good venue. Yeah, the first time i came to melbourne i played at that venue and it was yeah it was good so i did like the old albert park and it had like wooden permanent wooden barriers that were kind of a little over knee height um so it could be a little dangerous when you you know especially for the choppers that were getting out wide and at the back it had quite a big barrier that was you know above waist height so a bit different to a lot of table tennis halls these days
1: and I think if we went back to there, we'd go, oh my goodness, this is this is terrible. But um, yeah, they also had the lights hanging over the table, so they were only like about two and a half, three meters above the table. I uh, wouldn't, wouldn't, yeah, probably three meters above the table. So um, you know, every time you tried to play a lob, the ball hit the lights and all that sort of stuff. But you know, gee, it felt felt good and homely at the time, didn't it? It did indeed. So, Alice, um, maybe one time the ping
0: skills question of the day should be, what should our next ping skills question of the day be? Ah, that'd be good. <laughs> maybe. But instead, we have one inspired by, um, I don't know if I have it here, a participation
1: medal that I got recently. For I going hope in- you've got your participation medal, Jeff. <laughs> oh, yes. It's in the cupboard up there. Uh, um, what? It, it isn't on display. <laughs>
0: It, um, I went to the Arnold Schwarzenegger Classic. Now, why cubing is it an Arnold Schwarzenegger Classic? I still don't quite understand, but chess was and darts as well, alongside all the power builders and bodybuilders, power lifters. So I got this huge Arnold Classic participation medal. So for the Pink Seals question of the day, we're asking, should participation awards be given out? So jump on the Facebook page, give Alois some support. He wants a good response to this one, so make sure you answer, even if you don't normally. Facebook.com slash Pingskillers. Let us know, should participation medals be given out? I'll just put that away safely up
1: there, Aloys. Now, yeah, you, just, you can you just, also... You just if, can build your, um, you're just going to build your display display cabinet for it, obviously.
0: That's right. So the other place you can answer is on the Pink Skills website on the blog. So, yeah. All right. Um, it's time to talk about the Power of Practice Challenge Alloys. Um, Stanley has been practicing the table tapper. He hasn't uploaded a video for a while because he hasn't had the internet connection to do so, but he has now uploaded a whole playlist. He's up to day 22 or something like that. And he's doing the table tapper on a really thin edge alloys, and he has improved a lot. Yeah,
1: yeah, really good to see Stanley. Well done. That's um, I reckon that's about you know half the edge that Jeff's using. So that's very impressive.
0: Yeah, certainly. I mean, it just goes to show
1: the power of practice alloys. So interestingly,
0: wanted to demonstrate.
1: Sorry, Jeff. Yeah, interestingly, um, I watched back one of your videos though and you are mainly only hitting the top half of your edge of the table so um yeah so if that's the edge of the table you're sort of hitting that area basically all the time and it's also like you know when when um when you play with a small bat you know those small little trick bats that people have um and people say oh wow that looks that like that's really difficult but when you start to play with it, you'll find it isn't all that difficult because most of the time on a normal bat, you're hitting the ball in one small area anyway. So, yes, interesting.
0: Yeah, certainly is. certainly is. Um, how's your power of practice going?
1: Yeah, yesterday was just another day. It was just, yeah, day 23. It was just, you know, did it and it was okay and all that sort of stuff. So, just another five minutes in the bank for me yesterday. Nothing, nothing exciting okay. to report.
0: So by the end of the month, do you think we're going to be able to call you Marcus Freitas?
1: Uh, yeah. In fact, you probably won't be able to tell the difference by the end. Like you might even course, think that I am Marcus Freitas.
0: That's what we like to see. All <laughs> right. So for everyone out there that's doing their five minutes of practice, um, video it, send us a link, hashtag Power of Practice. Remember, we've got three premium memberships to give away. So, yeah, keep going with your practice and send us your videos. All right. Let's get into the questions. Um, first up, some Google Q&A questions. Um, Javier has asked, how can I nail a sidespin serve?
1: All right. So you can do side spin on most of your serves that you do. So you can do it on the pendulum, the tomahawk, the backhand. Um, so what you're basically trying to do with the side spin serve is you're trying to get that ball rotating around that away. All right. So if you can get the ball rotating that way, here's my spin wheel. So, so now we're going to get that spinning action on this axis. So by getting the ball or the the ball spinning on that axis, you're going to get side spin. So you're going to get um, side spin with the tomahawk by brushing the ball on the side like that so the ball will spin around sideways um, nice one
0: so for people listening on the podcast we're talking about the ball spinning on a horizontal axis spinning sideways
1: sorry podcasters and um, uh, with the pendulum serve um, similar sort of thing so now um, again the ball on a horizontal axis and now I'm going to spin the ball by brushing the ball on uh, the side of the ball there to get that Oh, uh, just do it up here a little bit more. So here, and spinning it sideways that way. Um, with the backhand serve, it's a little bit, little bit more interesting, I suppose. So with the backhand serve, you're more brushing the ball at the back of the ball. So you're brushing it at the back and going forwards that way. Um, so ra- rather than on the side, you can brush the ball on the side a bit um, as well, but. Yeah, so you can sort of do that as well, but we tend to go more across the back of the ball for the backhand serve. So that, that's the basic principle. So you need to think about um, whatever type of serve you're doing, you're trying to basically make that ball spin on a more horizontal axis um, and go forward. So then to, to get a better side spin, you want to get that bat moving faster and get that wheel spinning around faster.
0: Do <laughs> That's better. Yeah, so a fast contact and then a fine brushing contact. That'll get you more spin. All right, good question, Javier. So work on those side spin serves. Um, they can be very effective. Next up is a question from Ilya. And Ilya said, I noticed that many top men players play the first top spin after a serve close to the table and immediately jump back to play the follow-up. Is that something aspiring offensive players also should
1: do? Yeah, so at that top level, they're playing pretty fast, and that's the thing. <laughs> and and their opponents are playing countertop spins most of the time. So it depends on the level you're playing, Ilya. Um, so if you are playing a top spin and you know that your opponent is going to make that next ball and going to be quite aggressive with it, then, yes, you probably do need to st- step back, just half a step to give yourself a little bit more time. Um, but if you are a very fast and close to the table player, you don't need to step back and do that. But now if you see at that top level, most of the rally is top spin to top spin. Um, so that's why after that first ball so they've come in someone's played a backspin ball or a slower ball they've come in to make that first top spin and then they know that that next ball coming back is going to be a, a counter spin of some sort so they need to get uh, back a little bit more give themselves more time and play that next ball so yeah. um i've um i've had a few videos from Ilya because he is a premium member and we've um uh, We've been going through some video of Ilya and helping him out with his game. So uh, Ilya doing really well uh, there with your, with your skills. So um, really good to see. Um, so for you, Ilya, I think, yes, um, you could, after that first ball, um, just uh, square yourself up a little bit more and balance yourself to play that next ball um, with, with top spin again.
0: Yeah. Good work, Ilya. Yeah. Um... The top players really do amaze me, Alois, in their ability to return one of those first topspin loops. Even off the backhand, they'll put a little bit of topspin on it. On the forehand, they'll be really aggressive. So it is hard. And, you know, thinking about this logically, if you make the first attack, the closer you can stay to the table and then still make the follow-up, the less time you're going to give your opponent. So ideally, you'd want to not step back, but like you were saying, if... If you're not going to be able to have enough time yourself to make the ball, then you do need to move back. So it is interesting question. Good one, Ilya. All right. Next up is a question from Bavesh. And Bavesh says, I had a good control. Um, I, I had a bat with good control. However, I bought a new bat and its control rating was 60, whereas the previous bat's control rating was 90. But I didn't feel any difference in the control of the bat. So what does that control rating indicate?
1: Ah, uh, um, Unfortunately, Bovesh, the control ratings and the speed ratings and the spin ratings of rubber and those sort of things are all just manufacturers' own ratings that they put on them. So um, it's unfortunately, it doesn't give us a really good indication of anything. Um, which you've found, so you've got, you know, you've bought a different bat with a different control rating, and it feels exactly the same. So, what the control rating should be is basically a speed rating, and and how much control you can get with um, with that bat, and how easy it is to control the ball on the table. Um, but as you, as you've found, I mean, it's up to the manufacturer, you know. They and I often see. Um, bats with spin and speed ratings of a hundred, you know, and and everyone thinks, wow, that's going to be a really zippy and fast and spinny bat. But you know, that's on some of those really basic um, pre-made bats that you buy at sports stores. So, yeah, unfortunately, you just can't trust them.
0: Yeah, they just—it's really just a marketing tool, isn't it? Um, and I guess the other point here, Alois, is that the rubber is far more important in how much speed and control you're getting than the blade. So even if there is a difference, it's, it's harder to tell than if you change rubbers.
1: Yeah, the rubber is by far the most important part of the setup. Um, that's what can really change speed and spin, et cetera, et cetera. So, um, yeah. So if you're looking for a, a pre-made bat especially, look at the type of rubber that's on the bat more than anything else
0: okay good one and in a related question, Javier has also asked a second question he says, "What's a good bat that's under fifty dollars and thanks for answering my question before
1: yeah there's um there's it's hard to recommend anything under fifty dollars but as I said look for look for something that has um, a bit of sponge underneath the rubber and um, and the, the surface needs to be grippy. If the surface isn't grippy, then don't even look at it. Um definitely get an inverted rubber. So it's gonna have a flat surface on it. Don't get the pimple rubber. Um and yeah, get get something that's that you can see that there's a, a good thick layer of sponge underneath the um the blade. But as I said, hard to recommend a bat under $50 because I don't think there's any great anything great out there.
0: Yeah, exactly. So I'm not sure if these are under $50 or not, but a couple of good ones is the Ping Skills Rook, which is definitely a little bit over the $50. um, But we know that's a really good bat for learning. Um, Some other ones I've heard of but never used myself is like the Paleo Expert is becoming quite a popular choice. Um, So have a search for that. Um, Yeah, but if you can, maybe get to a table tennis club and ask around. Um, Yeah, thanks for the question, Javier. Hopefully that helps
1: you out. Yeah, that's it. So, sorry, Jeff, that's a really good point. If you are looking for a bat and if you've got a table tennis club near you, go down there because often um, at the club, they will sell equipment or someone there will sell equipment or know where to get equipment from. So if you just go to your sports store, then, um, you know, you, it, you're dealing with someone that doesn't really know much about table tennis equipment most of the time. So yeah, if if you've got an opportunity to go to a club, go do that and at least ask around or someone there might actually sell equipment. They might have a store. Exactly.
0: And at a sports store, you never get the opportunity to try things. Whereas at a club, you know, other people have bats or even the person selling might give you a hit with the bat. So I think it's, yeah, a better environment to try and and find something that suits yourself. And Javier also on equipment has asked alloys. What's the real difference between a hundred dollar table tennis table and the five hundred and fifty dollar plus table tennis tables?
1: Yeah, so the main thing is the thickness of this of the top. Um, that's that with table tennis tables, that's the most important thing you need to look at um, for performance. So, how thick is the top? Um, Anything over 20, 19, 20 mil is starting to get um, pretty good. So, the better ones now are 30 and and more 30 mils and more so, okay, so um, the
0: 20 mils and the 30 mils what's the advantage of having that thicker top
1: yeah so it gives a a, a truer bounce a, yeah a more even bounce and a, and a usually a higher bounce as well um it's like bouncing the ball if you bounce the ball on a thin bit of um masonite um compared to bouncing it on you know a, a nice thick bench top so um you'll you'll feel that um, a more even and, and regular bounce on it so and then the other things to look at um, in table tennis tables is how portable they are, so um, look at the wheels on them, how easy they are to pack up, how easy they are to store how how small they are to store as well and they they're all factors that you need to consider uh, personally about. Uh, what you're going to use the table for if you're going to have a table set up all the time in a nice room that you never have to move then you can get um, something with a nice thick top but you don't need that portability the um the the nice big wheels etc etc so uh yeah so they're the main things thickness of the top is the most important thing then how portable they are and um how easy they are to store how how compact they are to store
0: Yeah, interesting. Um, I do remember, Alois, the first time I ever went to a table tennis centre uh, in the ACT, a state or territory in Australia. That's where I grew up. I'd been playing just on tables at home or at school. And when I went to the club, the bounce was so much better. These tables were like really good tables and the bounce was definitely higher. And it actually made playing a lot easier.
1: Yeah, that's right. And... um... I mean, it, the the other tables are fine to start off with, um, but yeah, I mean, if you can, if you've got some got the cash and um, you, you can afford to get something better, then yeah, the thicker the top, the better it is.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. The other tables certainly are fine to play on, but you do you do notice the difference when you when you play on a really good table. All right, next question is from Eugene, uh, who says during a match the ball isn't always changing position. The opponent will sometimes place the ball in the same spot and the legs do almost no movement. Suddenly, they change direction and you'll be off balance. So how do I engage my legs?
1: Yeah. So good one, Eugene. So if, you're, um, sorry, if your opponent's playing the ball to the same spot two or three times and if you just stand there and do this, then when they do switch positions... It's difficult to get your body moving, so it's really important that after each ball, there's that little adjustment with your legs all the time. So just that little bouncing action with the legs, keeping your head nice and still, so that you can hit the ball, hit the ball, hit the ball. You're moving, you're moving, you're moving. The ball's there; it's easy. You move, move, and hit the ball. Move and hit the ball, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So um, yeah, so just um, make sure there's that constant movement um, when you're playing, um, and that that can start from uh, the return of serve and, and from the service as well. So after you serve, make sure you, you're adjusting your position and jumping into position. Um, <clears throat> when you're receiving serve, and you, you see this with the top players, that they are definitely getting up and into position. And um, someone uh, the other day, Vicky, thank you, Vicky, um, I was coaching, um, said, oh, it's sort of like a giddy-up movement. And it is. It's like they when they when you're ready to receive, it's like giddy-up, so we're ready to go. It's like a horse. And, um, yeah, I like it. Good one. Yeah, Mickey.
0: it's good. And the other area where you can practice this a lot, Alois, is just in the on-table warm-up. If you're just playing forehand to forehand, make sure you're not just not moving your feet at all. But, again, like you said, after each forehand, just get ready, And then if your opponent does move it slightly, you're ready to move into position. But that's a good place to practice it as well. All right. Next question is from Brian. who says, my backhand is better than my forehand and I want to develop my forehand. When I'm far away from the table, my forehand loop usually is out or into the net, including the forehand counter hit. So can you suggest a way for me to improve my forehand?
1: Yeah. So... Um, often I find that players that have a stronger backhand or a stronger forehand also reflect that in their leg position. So if I've got a stronger forehand, usually I'm going to stand like this and I also almost turn myself this way every time the ball comes. Um, If I've got a stronger backhand, I tend to turn myself a little bit um, around the other way. So um, with my right foot forward for right handers. Um, And then... It's almost a self-fulfilling prophecy, isn't it? So my backhand's better. Um, so when the ball comes over here, I turn more and I'll play backhand. Oh, my forehand's no good. So when I when it comes over to my forehand corner, I'm in a bad position because my right foot's forward and I can't play a forehand from that position. So the first thing I, I always say is to just make sure you square yourself up into um, a good position that you can play both your backhand and forehand from. That's, that's crucial. And then it's a matter of practicing your actual technique with your forehand and just gaining confidence with that. So go back to your basics, go back to your start and finish positions of your forehand, make sure they're correct um, and then just develop that. So here you're talking about being further away from the table. How do you get a good stroke from away from the table? You increase the length of your stroke, but make sure you're maintaining the top spin on the stroke at the same time. If you, if you try to hit the ball too flat and fast from back there, you've got really little margin for error. So um, make sure that, that you're making that good technically um, sound forehand topspin stroke and you'll start to gain confidence. Do it slowly first in practice.
0: Yes, like it slowly first in practice. So to summarise, Brian, look at your stance, try and get a more neutral stance or maybe even try a little bit of a forehand stance just to start with. Um, go back to the basics, get the start and finish position right of your forehand. Try and build up your consistency. As Alois said, start slowly and then work up from there. Then you can start improving your forehand. Good luck, Brian. Good to see you analysing your game and working on things. Uh, love when people do that. Now, Javier has also asked another question, Alo, she says... How much were your guys' first ping-pong tables? And lots of laugh, the same. I just started going to clubs and they have Donic Championship tables while I have a $100 table. Well, yeah, Javier, my first table, I think, was just from Kmart, just a local store, wasn't very much, something like you're talking about. But you know what I found? Once I started going to the club... That's where I went to start training and that's where more players would go. So I didn't end up using the one at home very much at all. What, what was your experience like, Alois?
1: Uh, my first table tennis table, I remember it well. It was 1974 and um, it was, it's, a, it's a Phil Anderson table and I still have it. I still have my first table tennis table. Um, it was a pretty good quality table um, at the time. I don't know how much it was. It was probably about ten, ten dollars, you know, in those days. Um, but um, yeah, really good, solid quality, and as I said, I still have it, and it's still very usable and um, and in good nick. Um, but we I was,
0: actually probably have a video of us using that table somewhere, allies.
1: We do. We definitely do. And but you were,
0: were a bit of a different situation because your mother was national Indian champion, so it's not like she's not going to have a really good table.
1: No, that's right. Yes, exactly. Yes. So yes, when we. Um, first moved into the, um, the current house that my parents are in. Uh, yeah, we, that was one of the first things that needed to be ordered. And I remember walking home from school um, at that stage, so I was 10 I walking home from school and I saw the delivery t- truck down the bottom of this hill. And believe me, the hills like that to get home. Um, and I saw the delivery t- truck at the bottom of the hill um, and I was just so excited. I ran up this hill and ran home. So that would have been about uh, probably about two or three Ks from there. Most of it uphill like that. I was just so excited. I still got it. Still got the table. Brilliant. Awesome.
0: All right. Well, thanks for the questions, Javier. And uh, great to see you going to a table tennis club. Thank you, everyone else, for your questions too. Um, Make sure you go to pingskills.com. Sign up for our free email newsletter if you haven't. Check out all the great videos and advice we have on the website. You can ask questions. You can search through thousands of questions. It's a great place. So check out pingskills.com. And as we said, we're going to be at the Oceania Championships tomorrow. And then we've got public holidays with Easter here. So we will be back uh, next week, probably on Tuesday. Um, Have a great long weekend,
1: everybody. Enjoy lots of table tennis. And thank you, Alloys. Thanks, Jeff. Yeah, so we've got a few days of power of practice under our belt before we see you next. And that'll almost be the end. It'll be about the 28th, 29th or something like that. So yeah, so get your videos in, keep keep them coming. It's been great to see all the videos coming in. So um, yep. Yeah, just show us a video. See ya. Brilliant. Thanks everyone. Bye.